it's amazing to me how many thousands and thousands of travelers get to the Greek islands and it never occurs to them to take a little boat ride beyond that and get to the Turkish mainland. From several fascinating Greek islands, you can hop right over to the Turkish mainland and make more change culturally in that last little voyage, last one-hour voyage, than you made by traveling all the way from the United States to Greece. Today, we're going to talk about the west coast of Turkey. That's the Aegean coastline of Turkey, an area that in centuries before Christ was called Iona, part of the Greek civilization. And I'm joined by two Turkish tour guides, Taylan Tashbashi and Ayşegül Ulu, to join us and give us an insight into the west coast of their country. Taylan and Ayşegül, thank you for being with us. And excuse me for butchering your names. <laughs> thank you. Ayşegül. Ex- Ayşegül. Ayşegül. Thank you. And Taylan, your last name is pronounced? Tashbashi. Tashbashi. All right. Well, I'm glad that you guys are welcoming and forgiving to tourists that don't speak your language. <laughs> we are. You're welcome. I made that introduction to the west coast of Turkey. Did that make sense to you, the way I described it? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Aegean as a whole, when you look at it, on one side you have Greece and Greek islands, and on the other side, obviously, you have Turkey, modern Turkey, Aegean Turkey, the western Turkey. And much of the sightseeing on this region of Turkey, the west end of Turkey, is the ancient sightseeing is Greek sites and Roman sites, and the modern sightseeing, of course, is Turkish sites. Yes, Greek, Roman. Most of the sites are concentrated, actually, along the west coast. Too. Now, that was yes. the, I mean, the, the cultural sort of heartland of Greece in a certain time in, in ancient times was actually Iona. That was considered a, a very uh, important part of the Greek civilization. Yes, exactly. When we hear about all those inventions and so on, People know that it's a Greek invention or it's a Greek thing, but what was referred to Greek was indeed taking place in ancient Ionia. So ancient Ionia, present-day Turkish mainland, was where many of the greatest Greek uh, innovations and and, uh, celebrations of their culture occurred. And when we think about Ionia and the west coast of Turkey, Aegean Turkey, we think of my favorite uh, ancient site, Ephesus. Yes. I love Ephesus. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's Such weird. a great site. When you take a group to Ephesus, uh, a bunch of American travelers, uh, what resonates with them? What do they find a highlight? Well, especially the size of Ephesus. Of course, it's a, it's an enormous area. When you think about it, it's almost at the same size of Pompeii, you can say that. It is, and it's a site which had been excavated for more than 100 years. <laughs> and I believe most of the city is yet to be excavated. Yes. So it's huge and 70% of it is still underground. Yes. I think we can call <laughs> now, one-third. One-third. And it, it used to be once the capital of the, well, Roman province of Asia, which means there were wealthy traders. And, well, in Pompeii, in the houses there, you get to see, I mean, how life used to be. But in Ephesus, in the terrace houses, for instance, you get to see how opulent the life of those merchants used to be. And these were the people that uh, Paul visited Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote his letter to the Ephesians who lived in Ephesus. Exactly. Well, uh, he was there several times because there was a great uh, potential from Gentiles who could be Christians later. So he came again and again and preached there to convert the people. And today, just at the edge of Ephesus, is a site very important to a lot of Christian pilgrims, which is the home of the Virgin Mary. Yes. Now, do you believe, uh, Thailand, that this was the home of the Virgin Mary? I, you don't have to. Tell me, uh, frankly. I cannot say definitely that it is the house of uh, Virgin Mary, but uh, 
there are proofs. What are the cases that people make who believe that the Virgin Mary actually spent her years after her son was crucified and gone, you know? Uh, she was in the care of Paul. And John. Uh, that's why they believe that because John was in Ephesus. Oh, I'm sorry, it was John, yeah, yeah right. Yes. And as well as that, I mean, the Greek people who lived in Ottoman Turkey up into the, well, 19th century, they used to have some celebrations called Panea Kapulu, which is indeed in dedication to Virgin Mary. So this is not a coincidental thing, we believe, that they held it there in that neighborhood. And the house is actually intact. I mean, there's... Yeah, well, indeed, uh, it is intact, but it is based on the foundations of a church, well, or, or a house, sorry, uh, which was proved to be dating back to the first century, which is the timeline that she must have lived in. So for centuries, Christians have gone there thinking this is the house of the Virgin yes. Mary, and there's some indica- there's some rationale for believing that. Yes. To me, the most impressive site in Ephesus is that incredible library. Yes, exactly. Well, it's one of the really most thrilling places for people because they get to see a building standing up there, and it's like 80% of it from original, well, remains of that building, which was erected again. It's an incredible visual site. Beautiful uh, restoration there. It took like seven years. Uh, I heard a lot about that restoration process because uh, my father and mother-in-law as archaeologists Mm -hmm. worked there. And they've they've been telling me that it was a, you say that it's like a puzzle you get. No, they said it's much, much difficult than a puzzle to be in that uh, And we shouldn't forget that it was the third largest library of the ancient world. Right. And your mother and father worked there on the excavation? Yes, they did. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Great. I understand there was like a double wall to keep the humidity out so the uh, precious books or mm-hmm. scrolls or whatever would, would be okay. Yes. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the Aegean coast of Turkey with two guides from Turkey, Thailand and Aishegul. And our phone number is 877-333-RICK. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Darlene's on the phone in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Darlene, thanks for your call. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, Just last week, we decided to go to Turkey for a two-week vacation at the end of March. And um, we're traveling with our seven-year-old daughter. We thought we'd spend five or six days in Istanbul and then the remaining touring other parts of Turkey. And we were really kind of focused on Western Turkey. We've always traveled independently by renting cars, and staying in homes or apartments. We've traveled that way for 20 years. And from my brief research, it looks as if renting a car is not the best idea. Neither is travel by train if we want to go to small towns and sites, which is really also how we prefer to travel, is to maybe choose one city to visit and then primarily stay to small towns and villages. So the research I've been looking at says to take buses, which really sounds um, foreign to me. Can we travel comfortably and where and when we want to uh, in western Turkey by traveling by bus? May I? Yeah. Darlene, hello. You mentioned about renting a car. Uh, Yeah. That was a clever idea not to, maybe. A clever idea not to. Not to, maybe. (laughs) In other words, a stupid (laughs) idea (laughs) too. I don't know your experiences driving outside this country, but uh, let's get to the train. Uh, For train, the geographical situation of western Turkey is interesting because mountains runs 
east-west direction. Yeah, That's well, why you have to go. To the sea. You have to take the train inland and then uh, take another train to the western shore. But uh, about buses, I would definitely say that you might need to change uh, buses in some places. But that is our major way of transportation between cities and you will find really comfortable buses. Well, I can say uh, you will find really comfortable buses uh, during your, you know, traveling time. They serve you tea, coffee. That's a great service that you get. And it's very comfortable seats. Oh, Darlene, I love the buses in Turkey yeah. and I hate the trains in Turkey <laughs> and I don't want to drive in Turkey. The buses <laughs> leave from... You take you take a map of Turkey and put the 50 biggest cities on the map and you've got buses, I swear, going from every city to every other city yes. almost all the time and they're dirt cheap. You know, depending on at what time of the day you want to travel, it can be in the morning, a scenic journey that you can do or we have the express buses. If you want to, you know, save your time, you can take the... Express night drives. Overnight. Overnight, yeah. So you can save also from, well, staying one night in a place. Isn't there an elegant ritual on the bus drive? You've got some nice little comfortable things happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can mingle with the locals. That's one of the things. That's a great experience, I will have to say. But yeah, uh, you also are offered some Turkish nice treats like the lemon cologne, which is a great indication of Turkish hospitality. You're always offered this, some little candies, some so chocolate the, the, maybe. So the attendant will come down the aisle and squirt yes. lemon cologne on you and you wash your hands and freshen <laughs> yes, your face and your neck. Yes, refresh yourself. It, it's not for the smell. Everyone just keep <laughs> <laughs> the smell down. No, no, no. No, no, it's, no it's, it's for it. But the point, Darlene, uh, you don't want a car. You want to take the buses and you just go to the bus station, from my experience, and there's buses leaving all, yes, the, all well, the time. Yes, well, you might need to maybe make a yeah change or connect little right mm-hmm. to the smaller town you want to end up in. Because it's usually the big cities that they have the buses running, you know, frequently. But well, you can always have the mini option. Buses that there are the mini like buses. shuttle buses going shuttle all the time. Shuttle buses going all and the time. You can yeah. actually hire a taxi for a couple of hours if exactly. you need to. That's and be I would, good. especially if you're traveling with a family and a few people, consider the luxury of having a taxi by the hour to take you running around the countryside. I would imagine a lot of cabbies earn a lot of good money, giving very good service to foreign travelers by driving them around, out and about, and uh, also local guides are not very expensive, Darlene. So that would be the way to go, I would say. For the money you'll save renting a car, you can take buses and taxis. Great. So it is feasible to be in a small town and find a taxi or some service that would take us to a historic site or some ruined site that we might not have bus service there? Depending on the place you are staying at, you can always find your hotelier help you, you know, to get to the right address for you. I mean, either local guides or there are some uh, companies around making some daily excursions. Oh, the, excur- the several, day excursions yeah. are wonderful. Yes. And they lace together many sites uh, very efficiently and quite economically. So you, you go from Selchuk or Kusadashi or whatever, and you'll see three or four great sites in a day in every direction. So it's, uh, there's no reason to worry about that. Well, don't forget, uh, the smaller the towns that you go, the smaller vehicles that you will get as public transportation. So, But the more interesting experience is going to be, in another word, because... In the small towns. Yes, in the small towns, because you get to have the feel of the Aegean culture. I mean, uh, I want to describe it in some the short Aegean, words. The Aegean yeah. culture. Ah. Well, we have, like, you know, geographically seven regions of Turkey, and Aegean Turkey is known for... Some of the important things, such as like easy going life, it's not like the Mediterranean, maybe, but I mean, people have their 
agrarian societies, and after they are done with their harvests, they are there in the coffee houses, uh, men in particular, and ladies, well, socializing in their own social ways. It's very important, for instance, olive farming. We get to see when we are having these drives all along the road, these beautiful olive orchards. It's a typical thing in Aegean Turkey that we cook olive oil dishes. That's how you would name like Mediterranean cuisine in Turkey. It's what we call Aegean cuisine indeed, because olive oil is the main thing. Thailand. Well, you mentioned about harvests. I, I want to get back yes. to that uh, because sure. it's not only they do the harvest and they just sit around <laughs> in the coffee house. That's actually quite a big time of uh, the year, harvest season. And also, if you're so lucky, Darlene, uh, you might come across to a harvest uh, exactly. that is such great festival fun. or a maybe a wedding in a village. That sounds fabulous. Have Thanks a, so much. Have a good time. Thanks for your call. Have a good time. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the Aegean coast of Turkey, the west end of Turkey, with Taylan and Ayşegül, who are guides from Turkey. And I want to finish off just by letting each of you talk very quickly about the connecting points from Greece, because so many people go to Samos, a great Greek island, and they can take the little one-hour boat ride to Kusadashi, which is a jumping-off point for Ephesus. You can go to Kos, another very nice Greek island, and take a quick connection over to Bodrum, And you can go to Rhodes, and Rhodes is a fascinating place to visit uh, from a Greek sightseeing point of view. And straight across the strait there, easy connection to Marmaris. Yes. Uh, First of all, these three Greek islands, are there regular boat connections to the Turkish mainland? There are. And uh, you don't need a visa or anything like this? Ah, you do need a visa. We do need a visa, but uh, from the Greek islands to the mainland, Turkey, uh, a lot of Greeks come for shopping, especially fruits and vegetables, because we have... Uh, but does an American tourist need to have... He, he gets the visa can, when he arrives? You can get it upon arrival. So upon arrival. For so an American vi- tourist, it's not a big problem. You $20 and you buy it, yes, something like this. It usually comes like with the ticket okay. in some places. So that's that's mm-hmm. easy. I remember a time when Greece and Turkey were not getting along very well, and it was actually very hard to make that journey, and you had to go all the way around through Thessaloniki. Yes. But that's long gone. That's good. Okay, so we got the three islands, Samos, Kos, and Rhodes in Greece, where you can jump over to visit Kusadashi and Bodrum and Marmaris. We know Kusadashi is basically a cruise port and a, and a, and a fun place, good shopping town, and a jumping-off point to see Ephesus. Talk a little bit about Bodrum, about Marmaris, and maybe catching a boat from Marmaris. Bodrum is quite a big peninsula. Driving around the peninsula takes around like an hour and a half probably without stopping. And there are several uh, little centers there. But the town center is the most important part where you get the nightlife. Very popular. Yes. The Istanbul nightlife in winter, it's almost all down in Bodrum during whole summers. I mean, all the people, they come for their holidays, but they don't miss ah, anything from the nightlife so when they're Bodrum in Bodrum. So Bodrum is like the Cancun or the, the Fort Lauderdale of, uh, of Turkey. Definitely. You're right. And there are lots of culinary places lately in a place in the peninsula. Culinary called, places? Uh, yeah, lots of beautiful restaurants, restaurants and boutique hotels well, in the, that neighborhood. We, we are forgetting about the Crusader Castle in Bodrum. Yes. <laughs> a Crusader Castle in Bodrum, which was actually built with pieces of stones coming from... A, One of the ancients of the world, which was once in Turkey. <laughs> seven like, Wonders of the Ancient World, yeah. the Mausoleum of Halikarnassus. Yes. They tore down the mausoleum to build the castle. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, nice job. And then also in Bodrum, we've got the uh, impressive uh, museum for shipwrecks and something. Yes. Yeah, that's in that base in that crusader's castle. And this is 
a good collection of actually the treasures they found from from old shipwrecks. It's amazing, and it it changed a lot in history. Ancient shipwrecks, actually? Ancient shipwrecks. Shipwrecks that was excavated around in Bodrum and also along the coastline. The display room is in that castle. So, lots to see from a historical and cultural point of view. And lots of partying going on if you want to hang out with young Turks that know how to have a good time. Old town is lovely. And you can do sailing, taking the boat trips. Okay, that's Bodrum. And moving along, if we go to Kusadashi from Samos... Ephesus, obviously, yes. it's 15 minutes away from Kushadasu. Mm-hmm. And Marmaris, Marmaris has a lot of natural beauties around and lovely mm. beaches. It's dotted with beautiful bays and beaches. Marmaris is basically a resort area for British and Irish, which they prefer coming down there a lot. But still, nature-wise, it's beautiful. It's and beautiful. you can always have an option of sailing around in the turquoise coastline. You can take daily boat trips from Marmaris, which will take you to, well, Gökova. Uh, in it, this place had been under the big debate. There was this thermal plant, which was planned to be built there, but people protested against it because it's such beautiful place nature-wise. So in particular, there's a little islet called Sidir Islet. We also know it by the name Cleopatra's Cleopatra's, Island, where she swam. I mean, there are several places for Cleopatra and Marcus Antonius to have the honeymoon, but that that is the best one because the sand is a living organism. Uh, Nowadays, they indeed even, you know, ban uh, that regular boat trips. So they have to stay away, but they can go to the island. So it's a preserved area today. So basically, Marmaris is popular for the... Brits that are coming down there for the cheap yes. uh, fun and the sun. And sailing, too. And sailing. And uh, there's probably cheap charter flights from London then to yes. that area. And from there, whether you're interested in the British scene or not, you can get on a boat and enjoy some beautiful sightseeing from there right. by boat. Yes. I'll tell you one thing. I love the island of Samos and I love the island of Rhodes. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't know that much about Marmaris, but to jump from each of those to the Turkish mainland, from there you've got that wonderful bus system that can take you to Komakali, Aphrodisias, Ephesus, you You've got all sorts of wonderful sightseeing delights on the west coast of Turkey. Thailand and Ashegul, thank you very much for teaching us about the west coast of your beautiful country. You're welcome. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Turkey, Greece, and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of Athens and the heart of Greece, Istanbul, the best of Turkey, and village Turkey. For a free catalog and Rick's tour experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.